This is Open to Hope Radio, featuring Dr. Gloria Horsley and her daughter, Dr. Heidi Horsley, coming to you on behalf of the Open to Hope Foundation, dedicated to those who are looking for hope after loss. Welcome to the Open to Hope Show in partnership with the Compassionate Friends. I'm your host, Dr. Heidi Horsley, and I'm flying solo today as my mom and co-host, Dr. Gloria Horsley, is in California hosting our Open to Hope cable show. We have a great person today that we are interviewing, and her name is Randy Reagan, and she will talk more about how we find hope after loss and how we can live mindfully and take care of ourselves. Randy is calling in from Los Angeles, and she is a holistic well-being expert green living entrepreneur and is the founder of Green Bliss Echo Spa. For more than 20 years, Randy has led yoga and spiritual retreats. She is the author of a fabulous book called A Year of Living Mindfully. All her work strives to provide readers with ideas, tips, and inspiration for creating a mindful, sustainable life. And she will talk to us today about how you can do this too. Welcome to our show, Randy. Good morning. Hi, Heidi. Thank you for having me. Well, I love your book, and I really try to live with a lot of the things that you say in here today, and I love how you talk about how we need to feed and nurture our bodies, minds, and spirits. I think it is so true, and it will soothe the nervous system. I guess I want to start today, before we dive into your book, asking you how you got into the field of health and wellness. Well, it was a long and circuitous journey, I think, like a lot of things that people do nowadays. It's, um, and I think it was triggered when I was in my 20s. Um, my mother passed mm-hmm. from breast cancer, from complications of breast cancer when she was only 54. Mm-hmm. So um, that put me in a tailspin. I, mm-hmm. You know, n- not that it's easy for any age of life to lose a parent, but I think in your 20s, it's very, you're just starting to come into your own as an adult, ask questions about what your life is, who you want to be, the things you want to accomplish. And to suffer a loss like that is really traumatizing. And, um, you know, my father was dealing with his own grief, and I had never, none of my friends that I knew at the time had experienced anything like that. I was one of the first to experience the death of a parent at a relatively young age. Although I've never lost my mother, when I was in my 20s, I lost my brother. And mm-hmm. and my mm-hmm. friends could not relate. And it is, it's an interesting time, like you're saying, Randy, because you're kind of trying to figure out who am I and what am I going to do with my life? And, you know, and then you have this significant loss. And I mean, I'm thinking about here you are in your 20s, you're female and you lose your mom. And oftentimes yeah. our mom is kind of like our go to female to say, OK, to bounce ideas off of and to get advice from and not to have that. And she was so young. Not to have her in her, yeah. in your life, I can imagine it must have turned your world upside down for a, for a little while. It did, it did. But what it did was just really propel me onto a path of seeking, mm-hmm. and I just just sucked up all the books that I could on you know, what happens after you die, and why do certain people die and other people don't, and why do people get ill, and why do people survive illness and other people don't. And and mostly it just kind of put me in touch with 
how do I want to live my life and what is the meaning of my own life and mm-hmm. where am I going with it? You know, and that obviously didn't come about overnight. It's been a long, you know, and it's a continual journey. Um, but it really cemented for me the importance of always asking questions, of searching, of seeking. There's a lot of knowledge out there. There's a lot of people who um, have insightful things to say. And, um, and, and I love that question. What I mean, yeah. the, the meaning-making and the searching for why am I here, what is my meaning, what is my calling, it's so important after, after you've had a loss because, you know, for me, I, I went on that same journey. It's like, okay, who yeah. am I without my brother in my life, and why am I still here, and what do I want to do with my life, and how do I want to, then what do I want the next chapter to look like? To feel that... Um... You know, and it's hard when you're in the thick of something like that. And I can tell you from also having lost my father just five years ago, Mm. um, you know, it was a different kind of loss. I was a mature woman. I have my own family. Mm -hmm. Um, I have a daughter who's 15. He was an old man. He was almost 80. Um, It's still, I still wasn't ready to lose him. But, you know, you, what I can say after having gone through the loss of both of my parents under very different circumstances and different times in my life is that you really, I, I can tell everybody listening that it does, the pain and the grief does not last forever. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's going to last forever, <laughs> but it, it doesn't. And the feeling that you're just completely immersed in this, um, sensation and these emotions and that they'll never change is understandable. But one of the things that helped me both times, the first time it was sort of blindly thrashing about and searching. The second time I sort of knew and I had a little bit more life experience under my belt was to focus on the things that I could do to help me feel um, connected to Mm -hmm. my own life and to the life outside my own world that you know, the world keeps spinning for better or for worse. Right. And in a way, that's kind of a good thing when you realize, oh, I can take a walk and the birds are still singing and there's still beautiful things to look at and there are still kind people out there. There are, There's music to still listen to. There's adventures to still be had. And while you may not feel like having those right away, eventually the feeling returns. And Well, um, and I think that's important, Randy, because I think that, you yeah. know, Early on, I mean, it's it's important for people to know, like you're saying, the pain doesn't last forever. It doesn't mean we're no. going to forget. I think sometimes, you know, for me, I tended to hold on to the pain a little longer than I needed to because I was afraid if I let go of the pain, I would let go of my brother and let go of the memories. And I still have the memories. And like you said, the pain is not there anymore. And, you know, early on, it's scary to think, oh, my gosh, I'm going to feel like this forever because early on the pain is, can be pretty intense. So I'm glad yeah. that you're telling you're, you're here, showing people through your own life that you know what, the pain does lessen over time, and it's not always going to be as intense as it is right now. And it it sounds like you found ways, um, and I know in your book you have a lot of ways that you can get to places where you start to feel better. Yeah, I think that's one of the things that happens when we're grieving is that we don't pay attention to ourselves. Mm -hmm. We get so outside of our mind and how we normally live our life and how we move through our days that we forget to eat. We for, you know, it definitely sleeplessness is a big problem. 
um, we forget to take care of ourselves in real fundamental ways, just exercising, taking walks, getting fresh air, and doing things that nurture our, our bodies and our physical selves is mm-hmm. critical um, because grief does impact your immune system. I mean, they've shown if anybody out there believes in the mind-body connection, then we definitely know that when we're feeling sad and upset and and um, outside of our normal way of thinking, that it does affect our immune system. Our our whole body chemistry gets thrown off. And so we open ourselves up to getting run down and getting sicker, you know, and, and having simple colds turn into long-lasting flus. And, you know, it's just mm-hmm. so it can start a cascade of, of ill health for ourselves if we're not careful. And so do you so remember, Randy, when you're after your mom died, what is that? Is this kind of why you decided to start living mindfully mm-hmm. and taking care of yourself? I mean, was it your own journey of, OK, you know what? I need to figure out how to get myself into a better space, or was that part of what inspired you yeah. to go down this road? Yeah, it was. I uh, was working in the film business at the time, and my mm-hmm. hours were crazy. And um, I worked for myself, so I didn't really feel like I could take the time off. You know, I had to take the jobs that were offered to me, and I really didn't give myself a chance to slow down and to really just be in the experience of, okay, what can I do for myself now to feel better? I just sort of charged full ahead. Mm. And sometimes that can be good because it distracts you. And goodness knows you need the chance to have distraction. But gradually as I grew older, what I realized was that I was really drawn to the idea of conscious well-being. And I started taking yoga classes. And then my yoga teacher said, why don't you teach? And one thing led to another. I had a baby. I was interested in doing things help more healthfully in my life, my husband's life, for our daughter, changing up our routines. And so it just, you know, I think what I'm doing now, having written this book and having run this company for 10 years dedicated to well-being, that it all started with my mom's death. And, and so and, and there's a positive like, that can came out of a really bad thing. <laughs> absolutely. It started with your mom's death and it started with you doing little things in your life that you noticed were working, it sounds like, mm-hmm. to shift mm-hmm. your energy. And I've got to give a shout out to yoga. I love yoga. My mother got me into yoga because after my brother died 30 years ago, she started doing yoga. And, you know, it's like do it and teach the world, show the world. So I I started getting into yoga, and I love it. And I want to say to everybody out there, you don't have to be a yogi to do yoga. You can go and just do restorative yoga. And, you know, just in some of they'll lay you in different poses, and it almost feels very relaxing. It feels like you're not even doing anything. And you will sleep better, and you will feel better, and you will start feeling little shifts in your energy and in your grief in positive directions. Yeah, I think one of the things that we always say in yoga is that if you can breathe, you can do yoga. Mm, I like that. Um, So it doesn't, you don't have to be super flexible. And the point of yoga, really, the heart of yoga is that it's a spiritual path open to anybody. It's not a religion. Mm -hmm. So you can still practice the religion that you have in your life. But what yoga does is that it puts you in touch with the essence of you, of the divine nature that is within each of us. And the message always is you are divine. Your life is important. What you have to offer the world is important and meaningful and special and unique. And so everybody, that's my philosophy of of 
how we present ourselves to the world is that everybody is important. Everybody's life is important and unique. And we have to figure out a way to get that out to the world. You know, it doesn't have to be in huge, you know, um, famous ways. It can be in very, very small, everyday ways that our lives are meaningful and valuable. So to take care of ourselves, to be as healthy as we can, to affect change not only in our own life but into the world at large, you know, it's all related. And and that's one of the first things that I kind of got when I started doing yoga was like, oh, yeah, everybody's life is important and everything that we have to offer as an individual is critically important. I, it is. I know a lot of people after the person in their lives has died that is so important, a family member, um, they often wonder, you know, what's the point of living? Why right. am I even here? I don't even want to be here anymore. I want to be with that person that died. I don't want to be on this earth. And like you're reminding everybody, we are all meaningful and valuable and we're still here and we want to make the best of this life. And one thing I love about your book is that you you really look at all parts of our lives. I mean, you've got an essential well-being kit and you've got seasonal health practices for every season. You talk about beauty. You talk about food. You talk about connecting with rest. I mean, you ta- you tackle everything, um, really the mind, the body, and the spirit. And I absolutely love the way that this book is set up for people. Thank you. I really, the four seasons, I thought, was a really cool way to help people see how everything is connected. Because it's the four seasons are, in essence, the reminder that we have of our con- our human connection to nature and to something that is larger than ourselves. And I think any time that we start to feel um, stuck or without hope, it's because we cannot see this larger connection. And so connecting to nature continually gives us that reminder. The four seasons happen no matter what. The the flowers will bloom, the leaves will fall off the trees, the winds will change, the temperature changes. All of these things are outside of our control, but they're beautiful reminders of the timelessness of our human connection to earth, to nature, and when we can connect to those things on an individual daily basis through what we choose to eat, how we choose to deal with our stress, how we choose to take care of our exercise routines, all of these things can have a part in a sort of an ebb and flow and a rhythm that I describe in the book as coming from, you know, each of the qualities of the four seasons. So so, so I love the idea in, in talking about connecting with nature for for all of those listening to go out and somehow connect with nature. And, you know, they've done research that shows that if you, for some reason, can't get out in nature, I mean, I live in midtown Manhattan, although I did go to Central Park today, and I make it an effort every day to walk through the park because I need that connection with nature. But they've also shown research that shows if you download pictures of nature on your cell phone and look at them during the day, that can be an energy shift because, again, it connects you like you're saying, Randy, with nature. So I love that idea. Well, it helps, again, it helps you get unstuck. And I think when you're in a, in a state of bereavement, going back to what we were talking about earlier, you sort of feel like it's never going to change. Mm-hmm. So everything that I advocate in the book is about doing things on a little base, very tiny, very small basis. 
so that you don't have to feel like you need to make a huge change right away because you're not even going to feel like that. You're not in the mood. But if you can work one little change into your life on a daily basis, you'll start to notice the effects of that. You'll start to notice how it shifts you. And any, any kind of shift that you can notice when you're feeling in a stuck place is going to be a positive. So, so, Randy, give us a few things that we can do on a daily basis to start shifting the way that we feel. So I would say the first place is to notice how you get up and greet the day. Oh, I like this. Um, you know, most of us, we have jobs to get to, so we rush and we kind of throw everything <laughs> mm-hmm. against the wall and hope that something lands that we can take out the door with us that, you know, we throw food in our face, we grab it, we stuff it in our purse, we eat it in the car, we drink in the car. You know, and I think if you can find 10 or 15 minutes extra, which means getting up about 10 or 15 minutes earlier, which means maybe going to bed Mm -hmm. on the other side of that a little bit earlier so that you feel a little more rested, wake up a little bit earlier so that you have a little more space in your morning routine and figure out a way to sit quietly and just meditate and just kind of clear your space in your head for your day. And that means not making lists of all the things you have to do. It just means clearing space. Mm, I like this. I work with affirmations a lot. So an affirmation might be, today is going to be a good day. Or today I'm going to feel a little bit stronger. Today I'm going to feel a little bit less sad. Today I'm going to feel a little bit healthier. Whatever your affirmation is that you need. And Randy, I love the affirmations because, I mean... For those out there that are thinking, oh, this is corny, I don't buy into this, you don't need to buy into it to have it work. What we put in our minds grows. And like Randy is saying, and you can read more of this in her book, if you you get up and say today is going to be a good day and you you say that to yourself and you keep saying that and focus on positive, you will start to feel better. Well, they've shown that these create neural pathways Mm -hmm. in the brain and, you know, it really works. And if nothing else, just saying a positive thing and putting it out into the world, that's all you got to do. And you've done that. And then you can move on. And then you move into other changes like eating a healthier breakfast, maybe relying less on donuts and coffee and more on granola and fresh green juice. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe um, finding a way to take more of a walking um, entrance into work instead of elevators and escalators park further away, walk a little bit further. Little, little things like this can really profoundly shift larger parts of our lives. And again, when you're feeling stuck, it can have a really great effect of helping you to feel, okay, there is something else in my life that is not all about the sadness. There is something else. There is growth there is positivity, there is optimism, and while you may not be able to grab onto it every single day at this point in your life, just seeing little glimpses of it is huge. I love this, Randy. This is this is really, really helpful. So can you leave our listeners with one piece of advice? I mean, there's so many good yeah. tidbits in the, your book. <laughs> yeah, I would say to think of your life as sacred Every life is sacred, and everything that you do every day to manifest your sacred journey on this earth in the time that you have is important. 
So taking care of yourself, getting sleep, getting exercise, getting good nutrition, finding people you love, being around positive people, these are all important aspects. And all of them have to do with you first acknowledging that your life and your journey is sacred and special. And everything that you can do to support that and to nourish that as often as possible is key, I think. Wonderful. And, and Randy, how do people find you if they want to learn more about what you're talking about today? I have a website, and it's my name, www.randyreagan.com. That's Randy with an I and Reagan, R-A-G-A-N.com. I've got a blog. I write weekly on different aspects of taking care of yourself and conscious well-being. Um, I do workshops and retreats, and um, I give talks. And I've got my book. So there are a lot of ways to interact with me and engage with me. And I hope your readers will find something there that would be of value. I think they will. And I'd love to hear from your readers. I have a place on my website to write to me. So you can drop a note, and I answer everything. Um, so I'd love to hear more from your, from your listeners, and uh, I'd love to engage with them. Fabulous, Randy. And please go and get her book, A Year of Living Mindfully. And go onto her website. Her blog is extremely popular. Randy has a ton of information for all of you out there that are in a really bad place and that don't have hope right now. And even those of you that are in a good place, there's always times in our lives where we can even be in a better space and a better place. Randy, I want to thank you so much for being on the show today and for all this really, really valuable information about how we can live more mindfully and how we can really live our best life. Thank you so much. It's been my pleasure, Heidi. Thank you so much for having me. Well, this is Dr. Heidi Horsley from the Open to Hope Show. And I want to close today with a great quote that was in Randy's book by a Chinese philosopher, Lao Tzu. Is that how I say it, Randy Lao Tzu? Yep. Very good. Okay. And it goes, watch your thoughts for they become words. Watch your words for they become actions. Watch your actions, for they become habits. Watch your habits, for they become character. Watch your character, for it becomes destiny. And for all of those out there that have lost hope, please lean on ours until you find your own and go to opentohope.com so that you can get support and information from those that have walked the walk and that are now talking the talk. Thank you so much. You've been listening to Open to Hope Radio, hosted by Drs. Gloria and Heidi Horsley. Like today's edition, all of our past programs are available on demand at opentohope.com, along with helpful articles, videos, resources, and links to help get you through the toughest time of your life. You can also follow us on Facebook and Twitter and sign up for our monthly newsletter. Again, that's opentohope.com. Check it out today. Then be sure to stop by next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time when we'll be posting another edition of Open to Hope Radio. Remember, others have been where you are. They made it through, and you can too, as long as you're open to hope.